0: Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday. Welcome in to Soccer Morning here on WorldSoccerTalk.com. I hope your morning is going well. I hope you feel ready to go, as ready to go as I am. Plenty to talk about today. A big, 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 huge, massive, impossibly big show. I don't know if we can contain this show. In the one and a plus hours that we do it in, but we're going to try. We have to make the effort. It's part of the deal. On this show today, certainly booked. Mr. Andy Edwards from Kansas City will join us to talk about the sporting Kansas City win over the New England Revolution 4-2 last night. We'll also take your phone calls. Andy booked for 940 Eastern. So we will take your phone calls between the headlines and Andy. So make sure you line yourself up for that. I know that's a slight schedule change. Maybe it's changing up your routine a little bit. Hopefully you can get in. Again, plenty to talk about today. In fact, that's going to lead us straight into the headlines here. With Miami FC announced as the newest NASL franchise expansion team. Jumping in in 2016. Owned by international entrepreneur Ricardo Silva. And Paolo Maldini, of course, you know, Paolo Maldini. As for Ricardo Silva, he's a guy who has invested heavily in soccer rights over the course well uh, the last couple of years, whatever. He's uh, the, the chief uh, uh, executive officer of some big company that does soccer rights. Clearly a Miami guy and has now jumped in with both feet With AC Milan legend, Paolo Maldini to start a team in in Miami. Now, this could possibly have some ramifications for MLS, who continues to chase the David Beckham dream down there in South Florida. Don Garber visiting the city this week. Where is Don right now? Where in the world is... That was really terrible. I'm sure Don's going to be down there pounding some tables. And now this has slightly changed the game. Now, I don't know where this team is going to play. I don't think that's announced yet. In fact, the quote is that the team will play in one of the many world-class stadiums of Miami. Something like that. The chances for success for this team, not sure, but certainly NASL making a move into the Miami market ahead of MLS is interesting. Now, they don't have the same sort of legwork required to jump in with NASL. Whatever the franchise fee is, it's obviously lower than MLS. And their stadium situation is not nearly as complicated because MLS requires a purpose-built stadium somewhere in a downtown-ish location. Meanwhile, NASL, probably okay playing in a couple of different venues. Now, remember, there's already an NASL team in Fort Lauderdale, so you're going to have two teams in the same metropolitan area. My understanding of Miami, and I don't have the map in front of me, and I'm I'm not really familiar with the area, but my understanding is that Fort Lauderdale... A good forty five minutes at least for people who live in the Miami environs. So we'll see if this can uh if this can be a success. Drum- twenty sixteen, they're not gonna waste any time. Boom, next year. The twelfth team in NASL, for those of you who are counting. And this launch is uh potential to discuss the quote unquote soccer wars in America again. Whether or not MLS and NASL going head to head for markets is good or bad. No, that's going to time will tell on that front in world soccer news. Michael Van Prague, who at one time was a targeted guest on this program and then never showed up. I'm not saying that we had him booked. It just never came together. We did try very, very hard, has pulled out of the FIFA presidential race to back Prince Ali. This is an effort to consolidate support behind a non set bladder candidate. And yet, I'm sorry. Sepp Blatter is still going to win. Luis Figo, the only other candidate going up against Sepp Blatter besides Prince Ali now. Blatter is uh, expected to win. Most uh, most observers will tell you that. Speaking of FIFA, major sponsors have quote-unquote pressured FIFA over the worker conditions in Qatar. In Qatar, excuse me. FISA. And Coca-Cola both issuing, uh, both issuing statements regarding the situation in Qatar. Here's visa. We continue to be troubled by the reports coming out of Qatar re- related to the World Cup and migrant working worker conditions. We have expressed our grave concern to FIFA and urge them to take all necessary actions to work with the appropriate authorities and organizations to remedy this situation and ensure the health and safety of all involved. Okay. Coca-Cola says we know FIFA is working with Qatari authorities to address questions regarding specific labor and human rights issues. We expect FIFA to continue taking these matters seriously and to work toward toward further progress. We welcome constructive dialogue on human rights issues and will continue to work with many individuals, human rights organizations, sports groups, government officials, and others to develop solutions and foster greater respect for human rights in sports, and elsewhere, both of these statements announced to, uh, amount to, we felt like we needed to say something because the public is kind of getting up uh, up in arms, but we're not really going to do anything about it. How pressured is FIFA going to field, feel unless you pull your money out? And these neither one of these statements amount to, we're pulling our money out. These statements amount to, <laughs> guys, seriously, come on. They'll fix it, and if they don't fix it, at least we said something. At least we made a stink. This is the way things work. And if, if, even if Visa and Coca-Cola do pull out, guess what? FIFA will line up more sponsors almost immediately. Fascinating story out of New York. Eric Cantona, one time, what was his title again? one-time face of the New York Cosmos. Now, this is the Paul Kemsley-era Cosmos before the new group bought in and actually put a team on the field. Back when Kemsley was only interested in selling gear. I think I have some of that somewhere around here. Back then, they signed up Eric Cantona, and uh, apparently Eric Cantona was supposed to be the face of the team and was going to run some Academy stuff and, I don't know, whatever his title was. He didn't do a whole lot, except for posing a throne. That's a great picture, by the way. Go find that. And now he is suing the New York Cosmos for $1 million in unpaid wages. Frenchman claims the New York football team did not pay him his $961,290 salary. He was hired as the club's director of soccer in 2011 lawsuit for the wages he claims are owed to him and 4% equity interest has been filed in Manhattan. So, I don't think Eric Kettinow did a whole lot for the Neo Cosmos. I don't know that he definitely deserves this million dollars in back pay. And yet, if they contracted with him, yeah, you can't really just say no. Raheem Sterling's agent is just making a mess of the situation there with the 20-year-old phenom at Liverpool Here's a direct quote from said agent. He is definitely not signing. He's not signing for $700,000, 900000 a week. He is not signing. My job is to make sure I do the best with him. If people say I'm bad at my job or they, are, or they are badly advised, it does not matter. I am not worried. Worried is making a decision not knowing what is going to happen. Every Premier League club will make a bid for him. That's the way to engender support for your guy, for Raheem Sterling. That's the way to keep people thinking that agents are good people. No. 700, 800, 900,000 pounds a week. No, we're not going to take that. It's just getting uglier and uglier on Mercy's side with Raheem Sterling. Sporting Kansas City beat the New England Revolution 4-2 last night in MLS play. Dom Dwyer with a very nice goal. Nemich with the goal. Uh, we had a penalty take. From Benny Failhaber on a very questionable call. Uh, some very good goals. Juan Agudelo scored a nice goal as well. New England New England was not happy with the call. Sort of folded after that. But uh, one goal made a, made a bit of a comeback. Scored a goal. Uh, a good game in MLS in midweek. We haven't had those in a while. We got U.S. Open Cup second round results. Maybe I'll hit those on the other side of uh, Andy Edwards. Or maybe before Andy Edwards. On the other side of this quick break. And everybody wish producer Trevor a happy birthday on Twitter. Hey Hayward, send him your your warm regards. On his birthday. On his birthday. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll open up the phone lines. Talk to you here on Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Soccer Wars, Soccer Wars. I'm Jason Davis, and I want to invite soccer morning listeners to join me this Friday for Columbus against Chicago. During the game, I'm going to be sharing my thoughts and opinions about the MLS action at rabble.tv. It's a brand new television experience that gives fans the ability to talk and banter about the beautiful game. You'll get a chance to hear my opinions about Crew SC and the fire, as well as post questions to me via the live conversations thread. If you have an iPhone, that's great. You can use the Rabble app to hear me. Or you can go directly to the website at Rabble.tv. So come on, Soccer Morning listeners. Mark your calendars for this Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern. And let's hang out together at Rabble.tv to talk Crew SC, Fire, and MLS. I look forward to seeing you there at Rabble.tv. We're just about three weeks away from the women's world cup tournament that kicks off on June 6th and world cup fever is starting to build to stay on top of all action and to support your national team. Be sure to download the new app entitled women's world cup challenge with the free app. You can get a schedule of the entire tournament, play a fantasy game to guess which teams will advance from group stages and then which teams move through the knockout rounds, create and join groups to compete against your friends for pride and prizes Watch the Match Center to follow all of the games live while you're at work and read the latest news about all the teams. Developed by an Austin startup who are massive soccer fans, the app is available as a free download for Apple and Android devices in the app and play stores. Follow the Women's World Cup this summer and support the stars of the women's game by downloading Women's World Cup Challenge today. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we are back on Soccer Morning, 646-832-3909 is your phone number. Feeling pretty good on a Thursday. If you guys can't hear it in my voice, pretty excited today. I get worked up in a good way, in a fascinated way, in a let's talk about this sort of way when we get these news stories like Miami FC is coming into the NASL while MLS is also looking at the market. That kind of stuff gets me going. Now, I'm not making a value judgment as to whether or not Miami FC jumping into NASL is a good or bad thing. Because I don't know if MLS is actually going to get there. And I think there should be a clock on the David Beckham experiment. Sorry for that reference. There should be a clock on the David Beckham effort, certainly. Garber is going to go down there and turn over some tables and yell at some people. She may or may not do and nothing gets moving, then maybe it's time to call it a day in Miami. Maybe it's just time to say, thanks. You guys have fun with your NASL team. There is an interesting story from the Sun Sentinel in Miami on this news, which basically sends the message that this is okay for now, but we still want MLS. And I wonder how people take that kind of thing. Now, we've already established that there are some lines drawn between NASL fans and MLS fans. And there's this sense that if you're an MLS fan, even if it's of a specific club and not necessarily of the league, that you are somehow buying in to a single entity, that you're buying into salary caps, that you're buying in to the weird way that MLS is run. And then if you're an NESL fan, even of just a specific team and not necessarily the league, that you are a backer of open spending, a league closer to world norms, a league with more progressive ideas on how to grow the sport, That's, that's where the lines are drawn, are they not? It's almost like you're on Team MLS or Team NASL and there's no in-between. There's no gray area. There's no chance people could be a fan of both leagues or that people could enjoy the soccer in both leagues, which I think is ridiculous. Of course you can. If you want to root for an MLS team, but hey, NASL's on. I might watch some of that. Sure. Let's go to uh, Roberto quickly. He wants to change the subject, which I'm always happy to do. We were going to talk a little Javi today with our friend David Cartlidge. I think we're bumping him till tomorrow. Javi Hernandez leaving Barcelona heading to Al Sadd. Roberto, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you for um having me on the show. Sure, man. Um just a yeah, just a few words. What do you feel about this? How do you feel about the impact he's made at the club? Oh, he's been he, he's there?
0: been brilliant. I mean, I, I, you can't you can't throw shade on Javi's legacy, can you? I mean, I, this is one of those those situations where a guy's time at a top club is up, and rather than become a bench warmer or take a secondary role or even move on to a club, say, down the La Liga table or or jump uh, into a different league in uh, in a different country, I mean, sort of the way Raul did, right? I mean, instead of doing that, he's saying, I'm going to go take this opportunity to become a coach and, and make a lot of money playing in an easier league. And, and, and then we start to wonder, I think people, because of the move, then question him, or question his legacy, or question his integrity. I don't. I hope that's not happening, Roberto. Maybe I'm building a straw man. I hope that's not the, well, the case. cause well, there
1: is a little bit controversy to this move in a way. Maybe for that want for to discuss about it
0: for that reason or a different reason.
1: Well, he said that he could. He's also going to become an ambassador for the 2022 World Cup. Right.
0: Yeah, that's part of the deal. I did see that. I failed to mention that yesterday when I was talking about this. It, it's a little troubling only because of everything that's swirling around that that uh, tournament and the, the effort to get ready for that tournament. Some of the things that we've heard, certainly when it comes to the workers, right situation, I, I, I don't like that. Now, do you, can you separate? I think this is the case for a lot of fans. We have to figure out a way to separate the person and some of the, the things he might do for, for money or comfort or whatever. And what he did on the field as a player. I mean, again, there's no doubting Xavi's legacy as part of the greatest Barcelona teams, possibly the greatest teams to ever take a field. What we now question is whether or not his integrity is intact because he's moving to Qatar and becoming an ambassador for a tournament nobody likes.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I don't think the, um, that type of negativity should be allowed for such a player of this caliber. Well, I mean, I, I
0: think it's fair to call it's it's fair to call into question his decision. Roberto while also saying while also standing there and saying look at what he did at barcelona how amazing was all of that i think we could take the yeah, exactly. we could take those two things and separate them uh, i hope that people i hope that barca fans sort of understand the dichotomy here and they can say thank you xavi but also man what are you doing like wh- why and and you know barcelona's obviously got connections to to qatari money now and that I think obviously the the channels were already there at Barcelona for this to happen. They they had an in with Xavi based on the connections. I I, I find this, I find that the 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 World Cup element, distasteful. Even as I stand here and say, what an amazing player! Look at everything he did.
1: Do you feel that like it could have been different had it been like Iniesta or Lionel Messi for that matter?
0: If they had made the same decision, yeah. Um, I think we'd be talking about it in the same way. I hope we would. I mean, I hope we would. And, and it's, not like, uh, it's not like Messi's reputation is sterling anymore based on the tax problems and, and everything else. any uh, esta that would just make me sad. I mean, I like Xavi, but, you know, Iniesta is esta. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And um, <laughs> just
1: one last thing. You watching Libertadores tonight?
0: Uh, if I can uh, find it. I don't know that I get a network that has Libertadores. I'll have to look for, uh, probably look for a stream. Hit me up on Twitter and remind me. Because uh, Thursdays yeah,
1: definitely
0: Thursdays are work nights for me in terms of writing, so uh, I kind of lose my thread. But I will uh, definitely yeah, take a look yeah, at so. it. Thanks for the call, Roberto. Appreciate right. it, man. Yeah, no there problem. Six four six eight three two three nine zero nine. Speaking of Twitter, hit us up at Soccer Morning. And let me use this opportunity to remind you that uh, I will be part of once again for the second week in a row. Part of the rabble.tv discussion surrounding an MLS game on Friday night. This time it's Columbus and Chicago at 8 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you go to rabble.tv around game time. It'll be me. Who else is it, Trevor? Me, Pablo Maurer, and Thomas Floyd. Is that right? Or is it? Yes, that's right. So two of the guys from Open Wide for some soccer. Two out of three ain't bad. Two out of three ain't bad. Pablo Maurer, Thomas Floyd, and myself. We'll be uh, yucking it up, having some talk around uh, the crew. I'm sorry, damn it. Crew SC and, uh, and, and Chicago. That should be an interesting match to watch. Hopefully it delivers the same number of goals as we got last night in MLS play. And as I said, Andy Edwards will join us in about 20 minutes to talk through Sporting's big win over New England. Sporting a team that, was ha- that had some serious injury issues going into that match. Came out with a victory despite uh, giving up two goals. I mean, they obviously played very well, created a bunch of chances. That game was wide open. Absolutely wide open. Uh, you get the sense that really wasn't a typical sporting match. That that game was way more open than they would prefer. Uh, luckily, they put their chances away and got themselves a victory. Six four six eight three two three nine zero nine At Soccer Morning on Twitter. At Hey Hayward for your birthday wishes. How many birthday wishes do you have so far? Uh one, two, three, four, rabble TV, five. There you go. Some of them before the show. Friends of the show hitting up uh Trevor on Twitter, let him know happy birthday. I think he's like I think I well I did ask his age, so I actually know the answer. I was gonna go in a, in a joke direction. But maybe we should have people guess. How old is Producer Trevor? <laughs> At Soccer Morning, how old do you think Producer Trevor is? How many years on earth for Mr. Trevor Hayward? Could do that. All right, I mentioned the U.S. Open Cup results second round action last night. I did not myself get to partake in any of these uh, games. I did watch the MLS game instead. I am part of the problem. Sorry. Portland Timbers 2, Michigan Bucks 0. So a win for the Timbers Reserve side. Pittsburgh Riverhounds crushed West Virginia. Chaos. That's terrible. That's a good name out of the tournament. Riverhounds aren't that's not a bad name. Chattanooga beat Wilmington on penalties. Virginia City Virginia Beach City FC falls to the Richmond Kickers 2 0. Liver Liverpool. Louisville City one. Lansing United zero. Rochester Rhinos beat Greater Binghamton FC Thunder because we need more words in that name. Harrisburg City Islanders took down Reading United 3-0. Miami United of the NPSL. Yes, another Miami team. Lost to the Charleston Battery 1-0, so Charleston moves on from the USL. Upward Stars of the NPSL falls to the Charlotte, or Charlotte Independence of the USL. Real Marnox move on over Long Island, so it's another reserve side through uh, from MLS. New York Red Bulls 2, the Red Bulls reserve side falling. To Jersey Express, 1-0 in Newark. Tulsa Roughnecks beat Seacoast United Phantoms. It says Toughnecks here, by the way. Hey, guys, at dot cup- us got a typo. I mean, they do fine stellar work. But here's one typo. Toughnecks. Tulsa Toughnecks. De- Des Moines Menace losing to St. Louis FC 2-1 in, uh, after extra time. Oklahoma City Energy, which is the that's the uh, Sporting Kansas City affiliate. Is that right? They beat Midland Odessa Soccers. That's an old school American soccer name, indoor name. The Soccers, S-O-C-K-E-R-S. Austin Aztecs taking down Laredo Heat. So uh, good stuff for Paul Daglish down there. Harpo's FC, the Cinderella story out of Colorado, falls to the Colorado, uh, Colorado Springs switchbacks 2-1. So there goes your your underdog. There goes your David, the last real one anyway. I don't know. Does PSA Elite count from the USASA? I guess they do. They beat the Orange County Blues 2-1. Maybe we adopt them now. Chula Vista FC, also from the USASA, beats Arizona United 3-0. Galaxy 2 falls. They're out of the tournament to the Ventura County Fusion. Sonoma County, Seoul losing to Sacramento Republic, so Sacktown through. Seattle Sounders, too, beating the Kitsap Pumas after extra time, 4-2. to two. So there you go. There's your second round results from the U.S. Open Cup 2015. A couple of decent Cinderella stories still left there. The MLS sides are always interesting, or they will be interesting this year, now that they're involved particularly because of the potential at some point should one of them get all the way through of meeting up with their parent club that will be interesting Greg on Twitter thoughts on officiating last in last night's Sporting Kansas City New England game look it wasn't good it wasn't consistent i had some i had some discussions with people on twitter over the penalty call on Jose Gonzalez against Dom Dwyer and the only thing that i'll say and I'm not defending the call because it was extremely soft. But it's it looked like a foul to me. It looked like there was some sort of contact made with Gonzalez's arm across Dom Dwyer. Now, Dom Dwyer didn't go down. And typically, you don't see that call made unless the player goes down. And typically, you don't see that call made anyway because it's just a softer foul. The, apparently, the... Criteria for a penalty is higher than the criteria for a standard foul, except that's not how the rules or the laws are written. The laws of the game are if it's a free kick foul in the box, it's a penalty. The only distinction between a penalty and a free kick is where it happens. That's to be that's by the laws of the game. That's the only distinction. And I point this out, again, not to defend the referee, who Taylor Twellman just had a massive go at, but because it's a really difficult job. And if you call the game by the letter of the law, you get ripped apart. You get absolutely ripped apart. And in that game last night, the referee, whose name I don't even know, because I didn't look it up because... I don't know. I, I think name and shame when it comes to referees is a really tricky business. It's a very tricky business, especially in light of the fact that who's going to ever want to be a referee? Why would anybody want to be a referee? You have to be a masochist to want to be a referee. We do have a caller on the line. I'm not sure who this is. Who's this?
1: Hey, um, this is Evan. I'm calling in, uh, living in uh, England right now, so in Sheffield, but I'm um, actually wanting to talk about a... Uh, Essentially, the report that came out of Brazil that their um, rights to their squad was being sold to uh-huh. a marketing firm in the Cayman Islands. I think I don't know. I haven't been able to listen to the show earlier this week. Uh, so I, I don't know if
0: you talked about it yet. I came but with, I to
1: see uh, your Evan, thoughts about it.
0: Yeah, Evan, I, I mentioned it in the headlines. I think uh, a couple of days ago. It's it doesn't. Su- does it surprise you if it's true? And they're denying it. But does this, if, would it surprise you if it happened?
1: No, and I think in South America you have these kind of situations that become very prolific there. And but I wondered if it took away from the integrity of Copa America coming up in 2016 too, and that'll be a, obviously big for the United States. But if they make a run in that, and we have accusations like this, if it takes away from any success that the United States may have.
0: No, I don't. I don't. Well, it's one team out of a tournament that's going to be stacked with quality sides. I mean, I don't think that that would. Take away a whole lot. I mean, unless the United States ends up playing Brazil and for whatever reason. But I mean, e- here's the thing about this, which is fascinating to me. Brazil has so much talent, right? And so many quality players. Even if the rights of to pick the squad, and this is the story, by the way, what Evans is talking about is that there was a a story that says that the the rights to choose the team, to pick the squad, to pick the lineup, was sold to a marketing firm by Havelange and Teixeira, um, I, I don't know, as many, it was like, to, almost 10 years ago, nine years ago, something like that. And that those guys were, were personally pocketing money off of this deal. They were benefiting financially off of this deal. So what you have here is a situation where the coach isn't picking the team, the federation is not picking the team, somebody else is because it's more. it makes it more marketable if they have marketable players in it, especially older players who are established. It is, it is incredibly corrupt. It is one of the worst transgressions I've seen from you know soccer officials, simply in terms of the integrity of the game. But at the same time, it's Brazil. They can kind of get away with it, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, and I, my concern is that this isn't just Brazil, and maybe this has been going on with Teams like Argentina are teams, it's possible other prominent South American teams with yeah. well, I mean, prominent marketable l- players. Let's,
0: let's not just put it on, on South American teams. I think that would be unfair. I think this is the kind of thing that could happen almost anywhere. It's just that this is Brazil, so it's extremely high profile. If, if it was Argentina, it would be the same level. But, I mean, would it surprise you if, uh, I don't know, Southeast, Southeast Asian teams were doing the same type of thing? I mean, not that they're good, or most of them. Uh, I don't know that anybody's really paying attention to who Thailand's putting out week to week in the inter- international game, but if you, if you had heard that the same thing happened there, that wouldn't surprise you. Again, everything is for sale, and, and all it does for me is sort of reinforce the notion that I have to, have, I have to suspend my cynicism when I watch international soccer, Evan, and it, it makes me sad because I have to decide to just ignore this stuff. Otherwise, you get pulled down into hating the game because of the people who are in charge of it.
1: Yeah,
0: no, I I agree with. You. Maybe lost Evan. the uh, the line from Sheffield has fallen apart. Uh, so apologies for that. It, look, it's a again, it's an it's a terrible story. It's a very sad story that people would try to profit. Off of this election for the team that, that that they would that they would bring into disrepute the, the integrity of the Brazilian national team again one of the most famous teams in the world if not if not the most famous team in the world, and yet it is completely unsurprising because this is the type of uh, environment type of atmosphere that FIFA has fostered in which everybody 's hand is out when everybody 's hand is out, people will come to you with the opportunity to to grease your palm, and if you have any sort of power at all, you have a choice: I either take this money and sell myself out. And we know Havelange has been dirty, 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 and Tichero is super dirty. I mean, they relate what they uh, father law, father in law, son in law—that's what that is, right? So clearly, and they—they—they've been pulled into other schemes to make money off the Brazilian national team. It's just the people attracted to power in soccer, unfortunately, are the type of people who uh, have no compunction about taking bribes. Tyler in Virginia, what's up?
1: Uh, not too much, man. i just wanted to call in and uh, kind of get your thoughts on uh, changing uh, lanes a little bit. Who do you think should uh, be the striker that's going to be called in for these upcoming uh, u s matches now that we know that Josie's definitely going to be out for him? I mean well, do you all
0: right. do do you, mean, do you mean do you mean Tyler? do you mean to, who takes his spot on the roster and is probably on the bench, or do you mean who starts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, who's on the bench? Because I mean, I think Johansson has already pretty much, you know, penciled his name as a starter based on how he finished the season. That's all right.
0: Well, how many? How many, uh, how many? How many? How many strikers do we think uh, Clemson's going to take? Four. Yeah, I think so. All right, so Johansson. I mean, we're. we're I guess we're going to call Dempsey. We're going to call Dempsey a midfielder in this situation. We're going to call him a forward because you could. All, you could conceivably open up a midfield spot by moving Clint Dempsey into the forward pool,
2: right? Yeah, it's, uh, so uh, but, uh, Johansson, uh, had
0: you, had as a you had what now? I
1: was
0: gonna say I had in my mind I had penciled Dempsey and as uh you know Dempsey and Johansson as the first. Two okay, swords. all right, Dempsey Johansson, Zardis. Okay, then it get then it gets tricky, right? Uh, my yeah, yeah. my gut says that he'll call Wando.
2: Really?
0: Yeah, that's what my gut says. What? Even though I
2: mean, because. Juan Agudelo
0: scored a pretty no. damn good goal. Yesterday. Absolutely. Juan Agudelo should be in the team. That would be my choice. But my gut says he's going to call Wando. He loves Wando. And it's not just about what Wando does on the field in the games. He loves Wando as sort of this, uh, this training maniac. And I think that, I mean, I, again, I hope that that's not the case. I suppose you could make an argument based on form that Agudelo could jump in ahead, yeah. of, uh, ahead of Zardes. But he's been using Zardes. He knows Zardes.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, and I think just based off of form, but we know Clemson doesn't really operate based off of form, uh, like he says he does. I would, I would probably go with, uh, Davies and Agadello as opposed to Arda, who's kind of been a little tepid to start off the MLS season, and Wanda, who's also, you know, not been up to his MLS, uh, MLS standard that we've seen over the past couple of years.
0: Absolutely. Um, that's you know, a good question. Uh we've got uh we've we've got a couple of friendlies coming up. We'll, we'll maybe get a chance to see what Klinsman intends to do with some of those rosters, Tyler.
1: Um, yeah, I guess it would be a good one. I mean and, no. and, and, uh, and, thanks,
0: and I guess we're I guess thanks for the comment. I guess we're sort of talking about the Gold Cup, but the issue the th- the thing is that um not only does is there four to five weeks until the gold cup, but Josie can actually join the team after the group stage because uh, uh Klinsman can call up um uh, another group of guys and add to his roster uh maybe swap out i can't remember which one it is uh let's go to atlanta who's this daniel
2: what's going on Jason?
0: hey what's up daniel hey not
2: much i just wanted to talk talk about um SKC for a minute if you don't
0: mind sure i'm going to lead into andy edwards It's a good co- topic of conversation you got a couple minutes here so go ahead yeah
2: i mean uh s k c had a pretty good game last night i wasn't I wasn't mad that they won, but I really wanted New England to win, you know, to even out the the west and the east. Yeah. Um but the officiating man, it was it was just like I don't know what to say about it. You know, he 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 gave a penalty when I think it should not have been and then he didn't give a penalty when it when yeah. it wasn't.
0: Yeah, well, that's I think that's the beef for a lot of people. Is it's not necessarily the uh the Dwyer penalty by itself in a you know it's also the fact that he got one wrong on the other end or he wasn't consistent um and again i you know i i i don't know that i would call it i don't want it called if i'm a new england revolution fan i am pissed today but at the same time this just brings into question again for me how how the game is supposed to be refereed and whether or not you want the laws to be applied strictly or if you want there to be some some sort of unwritten understanding that if it's, not, if it's not egregious, if it's not a full grab, if it's not a two-footed tackle, if he doesn't bring him down, you don't call the penalty. I think it's an interesting question because this is not, this is not the first time. It's not going to be the last time, Daniel.
2: Yeah, it's not, it's not the first, not the last. But the thing was Jay Heaps, Jay Heaps and Ben Olsen are one of my two favorite sideline coaches to watch. Just because of their reactions and then the way that the, the, if it's not going their way they throw a big tantrum.
0: Yeah, let's let's talk and, about Jay Heaps walking out of the building for <laughs> for a couple minutes there. Now, he did come back. I actually wanted him to stay out. I wanted to go and not come back out until after halftime because I thought that would have been hilarious, but he didn't. He came back out and started to give the fourth official everything he had.
2: <laughs> Jay Heaps, I mean, God bless him. It, it was just there was a play in which Dom Dwyer, uh, he, he, he thought Dom Dwyer should have got another yellow. And he's like, that's a second yellow. You know, throwing up the two fingers, that's a second yellow, that's a second yellow. <laughs> um, and then I can mouth read and I can read the the, the words he's saying and thank God the mics weren't on yeah. when he was saying yeah. no, but saying. I,
0: But I loved it. We just talked, I just spent some time talking about on this show how we need more of that character stuff. Now, I don't necessarily need guys blowing their top every time. Peter Vermees blows his top like, on every, every moment of the game. I don't necessarily need guys blowing their top on the sideline. I want to see some joy as well. But I actually thought that was fascinating last night to see Jay Heaps. I got to go, uh, Daniel. Appreciate the call. To see Jay Heaps yeah, no go nuts over the calls that, that were going against New England, then walk down the tunnel, come back, just absolutely let fly with all of the expletives. I thought it was fun. I really did. I mean, I feel bad for Jay Heaps because that was—it was a rough call. It was a rough night at the office for him. But, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about that game with Andy Edwards, our friend from out in Kansas City. We'll get his take on the sporting side of things. It's Soccer Morning on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Be right back. I'm Jason Davis, and I want to invite Soccer Morning listeners to join me this Friday for Columbus against Chicago. During the game, I'm going to be sharing my thoughts and opinions about the MLS action at Rabble.tv. It's a brand new television experience that gives fans the ability to talk and banter about the beautiful game. You'll get a chance to hear my opinions about Crew SC and the Fire, as well as post questions to me via the live conversations thread. If you have an iPhone, that's great. You can use the Rabble app to hear me. Or you can go directly to the website at Rabble.tv. So come on, Soccer Morning listeners. Mark your calendars for this Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern. And let's hang out together at Rabble.tv to talk Crew SC, Fire, and MLS. I look forward to seeing you there at Rabble.tv. We're just about three weeks away from the Women's World Cup tournament that kicks off on June 6th, and World Cup fever is starting to build. To stay on top of all action and to support your national team, be sure to download the new app entitled Women's World Cup Challenge. With the free app, you can get a schedule of the entire tournament, play a fantasy game to guess which teams will advance from group stages and then which teams move through the knockout rounds, create and join groups to compete against your friends for pride and prizes, Watch the Match Center to follow all of the games live while you're at work and read the latest news about all the teams. Developed by an Austin startup who are massive soccer fans, the app is available as a free download for Apple and Android devices in the app and play stores. Follow the Women's World Cup this summer and support the stars of the women's game by downloading Women's World Cup Challenge today. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go back on Soccer Morning, talking some MLS with our friend Andy Edwards from out in the heartland of Kansas City. Andy Ed MLS on Twitter. He's got some podcast stuff, NBC Sports uh, writing as well. Andy, how are you?
3: I'm doing great, Jason. How are you?
0: It's very. I'm I'm very good. That was a fun game last night, Andy. I'm sure. More fun for Sporting Faithful because they won. But just in general, how open, how, how much more open was that game than you expected?
2: Yeah, it,
3: it, it's tough to say because every time a team comes to Sporting Park, it seems like they sit back, uh, but that's just not in the Revs' nature, just like it's not for Sporting Kansas City when they go on the road. And so uh, it was tough to say with it being a midweek game and both teams playing on the weekend, there were a lot of factors that went into it, but I was very thankful for the way that it played out. Um, an actual entertaining game we get at Sporting Park, and, and you know I'm I continued to eat a little bit of crow every single week. About a month ago, uh, I called them boring, KC, because they were just so so boring the first uh, month or so of the season. They couldn't string passes together. Uh, they were still trying to find that identity a little bit early on in the year, and it was just looking really bad, especially in the in the attacking half of the field. In the last month or so, I mean, they they put really put it together, and I think they're the highest scoring team in the league now. As things
0: stand, very interesting, especially. I mean, look, this all comes in light of what Dom Dwyer's sort of slow start. You obviously got Nimich is a talented player, but getting him service and into the dangerous places he needs to be hasn't come as easily as maybe they wanted it to. Uh, At the same time, everybody raving about Benny Failhaber and his play, you could argue that that Benny was sort of holding this team up for a while, and then last night it just sort of all came together.
3: Yeah, well, Benny held them together for for long stretches of last season as well. If you remember, you know, Zussi and Beasley being gone for almost two months with the World Cup. Uh, Failhaber, even before the World Cup, was putting in performances that People that watch Sporting enough were kind of asking, well, should this guy be on the World Cup roster? And you know, he continued that through the rest of the season. He didn't do kind of, I think, what you would expect Benny Failhammer to do. Is well, he didn't get that call. Maybe paled a little bit, not put in the same kind of performance uh, performances after that. But it's just continued for for almost 18 months now, and and he's been one of the best players in the league. And then they bring in Christian Nemeth in in the off season to be the guy that either partners Dwyer or plays just off of him, which allows Dale Haber now in this kind of uh, new role where he's not a box-to-box guy. He's not a number 10. Uh, he can do a little bit of everything there mm-hmm. in the midfield, and he's such a better player for it now at this point in his career. And it, it, it's really unfortunate that he didn't you know, land under Peter Vermees uh, five years earlier on in his career. He could have really had a long, long run in the national team. So, you know, they're doing this about Graham Zussi as well at the moment. He's missed the last couple games with concussion symptoms, and even when he's been in there, he's not been right. He's had a foot injury that he was dealing with over the offseason. He picked up a groin strain or a hamstring injury uh, the first couple weeks of the year. And so they're getting nothing from him, and they continue, uh, you know, to kind of string this together. And, and, you know, it's promising signs for uh, down the road for sure.
0: You know, Taylor Twin was talking about it last night and it's certainly um, part of what's made Benny Failhaber successful is Nemeth and his ability to sort of drift into the space that, that that Benny vacates when Benny goes picks the ball up wide or whatever. How much of of Failhaber's role is that sort of floating midfielder that can get on the ball in other places on the field and create?
3: Yeah, absolutely, and and uh, the thing with Demarson, I noticed it last night. His game, he, he has a bit of gravity to it, and, and I mean that. Uh, not only does the ball seem to find him uh, in in those kind of pockets, and he's good at finding that little bit of space where a, a lot of guys in the league probably aren't. Um, he, he draws defenders in a lot, and it's created a lot more space for Dom Dwyer, who, you know, for the first month of the season, uh, was either being suffocated or missing point blank chances. Uh, right in front of goal. And so it's really helped him settle into, uh, you know, being that guy that's leading the line. And Failhaber, you know, has more time there in the midfield. And remember, Roger Espinosa is back now as well. And so, uh, there, there are a ton of really good pieces in, in that attacking half. Uh, the thing has just been figuring out where exactly to deploy all of them. Isn't a off the left? Is he playing on the right? Uh, does Zussi play on the right or the left? Jacob Peterson starting a handful of games as well. There's been a lot of moving parts, and they've not really had until the last couple, maybe three or four games, uh, the same guys playing together week after week. The Mets picked up an injury fifth or sixth game of the season uh, and missed a couple as well. So the chemistry and the continuity, it's finally starting to get there from just playing together. And I think we're seeing a lot of potential from them.
0: Uh, the rest of that midfield, obviously, Benny Failhopper can't do what he uh, what he does without Nemeth, and he certainly can't do it without Nagamora. and And it was most of our last night. Um, obviously, Espinoza uh, is is in there regularly as well. What is the balance in the midfield, Ben, like for Sporting? And does does Vermees stay if he gets sort of into a run with a hot hand? I mean, obviously, as you said, the schedule is is tight, and there's lots of games coming up, but. If he's got a good run going and, and Espinosa's not part of it, does he leave Espinosa out of this team?
3: No, I don't think so. Espinosa's injured a little bit at the moment, and, and and Nagamura at this point in his career, and Vermees has said this, like he's kind of transitioning into being that bench guy, the guy that comes in and, right. and, and helps to either close the game out uh, or really provides a spark off the bench. And he did that just a couple of weeks ago in the game against Chicago, came off the bench and five minutes later scored the, the game's only goal. Uh, I think with Roger Espinosa, it's been more of of picking up the pace of of playing in the MLS again, uh, playing in the championship the last uh, year year or so. Um, He he just looked a little bit off the pace when he came back to the league, and so I think he'll be just fine. The big question with the midfield, really, it's that defensive midfield guy, the guy that sits there in front of the back line. Most played pretty well the last few games, uh, to the point that last night I didn't even notice him, and that's probably a really good thing in that role. Uh, at least for a guy that's making his third or fourth start, uh he didn't make any glaring mistakes uh, in the game against new england I, uh was pretty good against d c united looked a bit shaky in his first start. If he can uh settle into that spot, i think, and uh just protect the back line a little bit, don't give the ball away in, in dumb situations uh he really can make that team tick a, a whole lot more uh It's been almost a full year since yuri Rosell left the team, and they never. They've, they've not brought in a player near the quality of Yuri Rosell to replace him. And so they've kind of gotten by with playing I mean, Benny Failhaber there for an extended period of time. Last year, they tried to play Espinoza there early on in the season. You know, Servando Carrasco hasn't quite worked out in that role. And now Mustavar, uh, a guy that not many people had heard of that they brought over during the offseason, he's played pretty well in that role. And so he's the big key. He allows Failhaber. To do what Phil Hopper does and really get forward, we know how dangerous Benning is in the final third.
0: You, you know, we uh, we, we the beginning of the season, Michael Paro was so good for Sporting. Um, you know, I was thrilled to see him playing well. A guy who had uh, dealt with injuries in his career, despite uh, a lot of talent, he's injured again, and and now you're sort of in a position as uh, Peter Vermees and Sporting Kansas City of trying to figure out how to to reconstitute that back line in the fly. Now we saw Kevin Ellis play alongside Matt Beasler last night, and while the win papers over a lot of cracks, uh, Andy, certainly there were some issues there with communication and spacing. How good can the sporting uh, back line be going forward?
3: Yeah, the, there's, and, and, you know, Ellis is, is it's half of the problem there on the, on the, on the back line. Do uh, you really any a natural center back playing at right back? Uh, those two playing next to each other have been targeted pretty much on every goal that sporting have given up for the last month. Ever since I go par, I went down and, and you know, I predicted it before the game last night and noticed it multiple times. Everybody shades to the left, uh, of attack going against sporting Kansas City. You get into that little left channel in between those two and neither player is disciplined enough, uh, to stay at home and, and, and man their area. And, and what I mean by that, Ellis will, will run out wide to double on, a, on a, a winger, and then Annie Baba will tuck inside way too far um, if somebody dribbles down the middle of the field, and, and they just create huge gaps, tons of space for the other team, and they get themselves in trouble over and over again. That's why you see Matt are scrambling back and making these uh, heroic last-ditch challenges when it doesn't need to happen. I think Peter Vermes would have loved to have played Eric Palmer Brown for a month straight, maybe even two months, he is really, really developed. And if you if you saw his game that he played a couple of weeks ago against DC United, you see that he he looks like a man now. He just turned 18 years old. But he added at least 20 pounds during the offseason. I mean, he looks like he's physically capable of handling MLS. And if not for the U20 World Cup coming up, I think he'd be starting uh, full time right now, or at least until Chance Myers gets back and, and Andy Baba probably moves to center back and Myers takes the right-back spot. Uh, But Eric Palmer Brown would be getting minutes if he was Mm. with the team right now. He looked good in the one game that he got. He would have played in the game against Colorado. that got rained out last week. So uh, it's just, you know, it's injuries. It's national team call-ups. As soon as as Palmer Brown comes back, Matt Beasler is going to be gone. They've kind of had a revolving door at left-back between Seth Sinovic and Marcel De Jong. Um, So, you know, what's really been a, a stable unit with a ton of continuity over the years, you know, it's not there now. And everything's clicking up front, so it you mm-hmm. know it's, it's funny uh, how quick things change in MLS.
0: Uh, speaking of international call-ups, you mentioned Beasley's going to be gone. Eric Palmer Brown's a U twenty international. That's got to hurt, um, even though it's a good opportunity for him. And I want to come back to Eric Palmer Brown in a minute, but. Uh, should our sporting fans? I'm just curious about this. Are they rooting for for Benny to get a look because he deserves a look and and he's our guy, or or are you better off thinking let's not get him called up? We definitely need him. Uh, we don't want him going away on duty.
3: Yeah, there's definitely uh, there's a lot of both. I think you know, Kansas City and, and its fans had a a ton of of pride in in Matt Beasler and Graham Zussi going to the World Cup last year. And the fact that Graham Zussi delivered the ball in for for John Brooks' winner was an absolutely huge deal in Kansas City. He got the assist on that goal, which turned out to kind of be the big moment during that tournament. And so um, I think a lot of people want Benny to be there because they they recognize uh, that his play on the field deserves it. But at the same time, you know he is the guy that's really making everything go for Sporting at the moment. And if he's not there, you know you look at the at the bench, and and last night just six guys on the bench with with all the injuries that they're dealing with. It's not a great time uh, for anybody to be for your best player to you know get get a get a call up. So um, I'd love to see him be there though myself personally. Uh, granted, I'm, I'm a person who doesn't really have any vested interest in in Sporting Casey whether they win or lose. Uh, I think he can just bring something that the national team was missing, especially last year at the World Cup. You
0: know, you, do you get the sense, and I've had people ask me about uh, Lee Wynn, and obviously he was on the other side last night for, for New England. Do you get the sense that that's maybe an either-or proposition? And they're not the same player. Lee Wynn's playing higher up the field these days for New England, much more of a, of a 10 than Benny is playing for Kansas City. But their skill sets are close enough that you imagine that Clinton that can only take one of them. So if he's taking Lee Win, he's not taking Benny Failhaber.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's probably the case. I mean, you've only got so many roster spots and you've, and you've got plenty of guys that, uh, you know, we know how Jurgen likes his kind of redundant defensive midfielders and, and he's going to take four or five of those. So, yeah, yeah, he probably only, only got one spot for uh, what I would almost call a luxury player at this point. And uh, I know it's not going to be Benny Philhaber. I just don't feel like he's he's ever been given a serious but, chance in the eyes of Jurgen Klinsmann and every coach has yeah. you know their players that they favor and so you can't blame Jurgen for that he has guys that he knows and that he trusts and if is not one of them you know what can you do
0: well you call him a luxury player and i would certainly say that that tag applies to win if he's in the national i don't want them to be luxury players andy i want them to be <laughs> The guys that we can put on the field and trust that we still have enough stability to go win. I'm sorry, that's a different subject altogether.
3: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm with you there. I'm, I'm with you though. Trust right. me, Jason. We're we're, we're on team. <laughs> we're on the same team
0: there. Uh, Eric Palmer Brown. Um, you you mentioned his name. He obviously didn't play last night. He's going to be a U20 international. He's going to New Zealand to play for Top Ramos in that team. That's that's a good uh, stage for him. A good opportunity. Uh, as he builds towards a potential uh, spot in the senior team in a couple of years. But he, you mentioned he's 18. And if I'm not mistaken, the FIFA rules now allow him to move uh, overseas without uh, without any issue. And we've long heard about the Juventus' interest. What's the situation with Eric Palmer Brown and his potential transfer?
3: Yeah, they're still after him. And Rob Heineman tweeted uh, maybe a week ago or so uh, that you know, there's still conversations going on there. The only thing is now... You know, keeping Eric Coleman down has almost become a necessity with with the injury to Ico Parra and and you know not having that stability there in the back line. And so I, I think what he said was, you know, if Italy wants to come and get him, they're going to have to really you know put the cash up. And mm-hmm. so uh, I would imagine he probably stays here definitely for the rest of this season. And even if if they do come to an agreement on a deal, uh, I find it very hard to imagine any situation where there's not a we keep him on loan for another season, maybe two. Uh, before he goes over there and Mm -hmm. I've I've heard that that's kind of what sporting are angling for, realizing that, you know, the kid that has the potential that he does, it's only a matter of time before he goes off to Europe and so trying to maximize the time that they can keep him here. Like I said, now it's it's out of necessity that they have just another center back, a natural center Mm -hmm. back on the roster and available to play once he gets back from the U-20 World Cup. Uh, But like I said, the sky is, is the absolute limit for this kid. He he looks the part of a professional soccer player of a, a of a professional center back now. And he looked good in that game against BC United. He, his game has matured a lot. And that was the first game that he ever played with Matt Beesler as well. The, the handful of games that he got last summer, Beesler was at the world cup. The the one appearance that he made earlier on this year was because Beesler got a red card. And so he's never played against a, a guy that, uh, you know, really fits him in a partnership. So, he will be gone eventually but yeah, it's it's going to be a while.
0: Uh now you know you you mentioned uh, you know keeping him because of necessity and yet we've seen that this club is one that will not keep a player from making a move if it's the right thing to advance their career or it's what they want personally with uh, obviously Yuri Rossell being the example Andy. mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
3: Yeah, absolutely. They will, they, like I said, they will let him go eventually. I think they realize that trying to keep him forever is going to be a losing fight and, you know, their time is better spent trying to, you know, find the next Eric Paul and Brown or, or to bring somebody in to, to fill his spot on the team. Uh, but, you know, with it being a homegrown guy, I think they have a little bit more control with, yeah. you know, when the player gets sold. Uh, whereas with the, you know, other other guys, they is going to have a lot more say in the matter. So I don't think he, wa- I don't think Eric Colin Brown is in a huge hurry to get out of Kansas City either. I think he's um, enjoying now. You know, he, he's he's just now graduating high school, so he's going to finally be able to focus full time right. on being a professional player. He right. was going to class in the morning, going to training then driving back to school and going to, to class in the afternoon, you know, not being able to focus full time on being a professional. I think we're going to really probably see uh, a maturation and and you know his game change uh, and improve drastically once he's able to do that. All
0: right, quick look at the Western Conference while I have you, Andy. Sporting Kansas City now uh, in fifth place, seventeen points from eleven games, point and a half basically per match, uh, tied with San Jose there behind the the top three of Dallas, uh, Vancouver, and Seattle. And I think everybody would have those three teams as the best teams in the Western Conference. What's it going to take? Because not only did the challenge get tougher just because of the the move out West um, or just because they got switched to the Western Conference, but now you have all of these other factors coming into play, especially with the injuries and international absences and questions over whether or not sporting can be as aggressive with their style as they've been in the past is this going to be is this going to be down to the wire for them or do you honestly think that they're going to be able to solidify themselves top three or four uh down towards the end of the season
3: yeah and i I said it before the season and and i continue to say now i think they're a borderline playoff team i think they're fifth or sixth best in, in the western conference probably that's probably where they end up assuming that they don't have any more massive injuries that, that really cripple them uh, throughout the rest of the season. They've played a lot of Eastern Conference teams so far this season, and they've done well to, to pick up the points that they have, you know, a point and a half per game. Uh, pretty good. It'll probably get you into the playoffs if you can do that for an entire season. Uh, but it's going to take somewhere probably around 50 points to get into the playoffs in the Western Conference this year. And I just looked back really quickly while you were talking. They won the Eastern Conference with 51 in 2011, the year that they opened Sporting Park. So, you know, that gives you a bit of an idea how much playing in the Eastern Conference is different than playing in the West. Uh, But, you know, with L.A. starting the season slow, we know they're going to finish strong. The big question is whether Portland and or Rail Salt Lake are able to finally figure it out and make a run during the second half of the season. You know, I predicted before the season that RFL would miss the playoffs. That was my big prediction on the, on the season pre- uh, preview show that she did here on Sunday Morning. So uh, that's looking good for me so far. San Jose and Houston, yeah. uh, really figuring it out under new coaches right away is, is a huge, huge surprise. And I don't think something that, that a lot of people expected. So, um, it only makes it tougher for sporting yeah. Kansas City. But if if they've got Benny Faylehaber healthy all season, if they've got Matt Diesler that plays like Matt Beesler after he comes back from the Gold Cup, Dwyer, and the Mets continue to work that partnership up top. You know, there's no no way you, you can say that they're not better than Houston, that they're not better than San Jose. Um, and so you only have to be better than four there in the Western Conference. And, right.
0: But at the same time, I mean, the, the trying to pick out who those four are going to be is really tough. I mean, uh, the, the Timbers underwhelming for a second consecutive year under Caleb Porter at the, at the moment, but plenty of talent there to figure it out. Colorado, we think, I think everybody is just assumes Colorado is going to bring up the foot of the table um uh, this year RSL as you said maybe if they missed if they missed the playoffs surprise only because they've been so consistent but i don't think anybody believes that they can't figure it out at some point and, and perhaps put together a run to at least get into 6th or 5th LA's going to be LA eventually we know that um and then yeah i guess the uh, the wild cards are really San Jose and Houston so that that really only gives you 3 teams that you think you're definitely better than um, or could be better then, and and you know we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, as these teams start to cannibalize points off of each other down the stretch.
3: Yeah, and that's about to start for Sporting Kansas. They've got a four game stretch coming up where they play at Seattle, uh, FC Dallas at home, home to Seattle, and then away to Real Salt Lake. So four games in a row against three different teams that uh, are are three of them being the upper echelon of the Western Conference where they desire to be. you know if they can go and and take, uh, let's say. Seven points uh, from those four games. I think they'd be extremely happy, especially playing a pair of them on the road, going to Seattle and going to RSL. Uh, I think that'd be not not only the points would be great, but I think it'd be a bit of a statement of intent as well. I think a lot of people kind of expected them to struggle when they went to the Western Conference, and you know, like you said, that that, that high press style maybe to not hold up over so many big games against the top teams of the league. So you know, if they can if they can really uh, pick up the points here in these next four or five games uh, i think it really sets them up nicely for the second half of the season um and and give them just a little bit of leeway a little bit of breathing room as well
0: it's andy edwards you can find him on twitter at andy ed mls he's also a writer over at nbc soccer's uh, nbc soccer page uh, does a bunch of podcasts time warner stuff out in kansas city is that right andy
3: correct that's correct.
0: There you go. Uh, make sure you check out Andy's work. Thank you for your time and your insight, sir. We'll be talking to you uh, down the stretch, I'm sure.
3: All right. Thanks for having me, Jason.
0: There goes uh, Andy Edwards. Uh, we're going to wrap up this episode of Soccer Morning here on a Thursday. Just a reminder, though, or not a reminder. Uh, I want to hit this. The uh, U.S. Open Cup fourth-round draw tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern, on 120 Sports, which is the thing I'm finding out about right now. Sounds very cool. They're going to do the fourth round draw there at 120 Sports. Make sure you check that out uh, if you are interested in that tournament whatsoever. We covered the uh, results in the second round. We're going to start getting those uh, NASL teams into the tournament there um, as we move along here. The MLS teams move in in the fourth round. That's right. So uh, you should be watching this to find out who your MLS side will play. Thank you very much again to Andy Edwards, who we just said goodbye to. Thanks to all those callers from that, uh, that segment in which we took your phone calls. Much appreciated. Go to backheel.com. See, this is all out of order for me, so I'm, like, adjusting on the fly. Go to backheel.com slash store. Buy yourself a soccer morning mug. You can get a soccer morning T-shirt at 3 com. What else am I missing? Oh, rabble.tv, tomorrow, tomorrow night, 8 o'clock Eastern, Columbus, Chicago. I'll be there with Pablo Maurer. And uh, Thomas Floyd, will have a good old time. You should be joining us then. If you checked out the Best Soccer Show Rabble show from last week, this one should be just as much fun. So be there. Follow us on Twitter. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Bye.